For BYU-Idaho Radio, this is Morgan White. Joining me today is Jean Clements, a cabinet maker at BYU-Idaho and the speaker for the BYU-Idaho devotional happening on August 23rd, 2022. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I saw in your biography that you're a Rexburg native, and I wanted to know what it's kind of been like growing up here and seeing the town change over the years. Well, I grew up out in Archer, so if anybody's acquainted with Big Judd's, it's about a mile and a half on around towards Ryrie from Big Judd's is where I grew up. And then uh, I got married and lived in a trailer for a while and then built a home out there. And I was there for about 15 years, and then I uh, we moved into town. Was there about 15 years, and then moved about 12 and a half miles south up in Wilford. <laughs> so, so you've always stayed around the the outskirts of Rexburg. Yes, though. that's wonderful. So I can imagine watching the town itself of Rexburg grow over the years. But how about the surrounding communities? Have they kind of expanded as well, or have they stayed pretty rural like they are now? Oh no, they out in Burton area and Lyman area it's really grown and it's it's expanding that into other areas as well now but uh that's the big big areas is burton hibbard mm-hmm. areas really really growing with the housing developments and stuff and right around rexburg and around the campus it's totally changed from when i started working here yeah so tell me about that how did you come to work here at the school i was working for a farmer and got laid off for the winter and uh so I thought, I can't do this again with, with a wife. And so I uh, seen a laborer position open in the carpenter shop. And that was back in 1980. And so I got the job. And uh, and then as some of the men retired, I was I got in cabinet maker position. And I've been doing that for a long time. So Yeah. Is that your official position then here at yes. the school, as cabinet yeah. maker? And what kind of projects have you been involved with over time here? I imagine almost everything <laughs> from yeah, what we have. Uh, anything, any remodel that has any cabinets, we usually do the cabinets on a remodel. Uh, we don't do anything on the new buildings except we'll put the tech stations in that the teachers use to teach from mm-hmm. because we want them to our specs. And so we've been doing the tech stations for a lot of years on the new construction but other than that then we have to match the existing stuff that's in the buildings when they come online yeah make it all kind of uh cohesive together yeah as you've been here for 42 years at the school what has been maybe a couple of your favorite experiences of of being here one of the neat experiences i had is when i started working here president iring hadn't been gone for too long and uh when he came back on campus he'd stop in the carpenter shop Mm. So this is President Iring's dad. Right, yeah. <laughs> President Iring. And uh, apparently he would go over to the shop and uh, do some wood projects. It was kind of neat to when, he, when he'd come back up on campus, he would stop into the carpenter shop and say hello to the guys that were there when he was president and worked with and helped him. And so that was kind of cool. He brought El Tom Perry with him one time <laughs> as well. So that was kind of cool. We've been done some work in the president's house, which has changed positions, places mm-hmm. several times. And when the new president has come, we've remodeled and and redone the home so that that's what they want. And so, oh wow, I've had I got to work with several of the president's wives as they've came in and. 
and remodel and do some stuff for them. So that's been kind of interesting too. What was the process like for preparing your devotional talk and finding the theme? How was that an easy thing that you'd just been thinking about or was it a struggle to come up with uh, this topic? It was a little bit of a struggle at first because they don't give you a topic. But I uh, I served as a in a state presidency for five years up on campus. And so the first thing I did is message my old state presidency members and uh, <laughs> and, said, and asked them if that they had a chance to talk to the BYU-Idaho students and faculty, what would they say? And uh, they gave me some good ideas. And I incorporated a little bit of it in the kindness, being kind to everyone, um, mm-hmm. showing love. Uh, being considerate, but I've over the years I've met a lot of people that are not of our religion, but you wouldn't know they weren't LDS by their actions. Mm-hmm. So that's where the the light of Christ came in. Everybody gets the light of Christ yeah. uh, when they're born, and uh, what we do with it after determines what people see in us. Like I say, I've. I've met a lot of really good people that project the light of Christ probably better than some of us some days. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of where I got this, the, the idea. Um, the two men in the talk, the one, he was a little older than my dad, but my dad had just passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just like a dad to me. My kids called him Grandpa. He always had that Christ-like spirit just really shown through, and, and, and you'll 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 hear that in the talk. Uh, you can't cover a man's life in twenty minutes, two men's lives in twenty minutes. So you just got to hit on some of the the highlights, mm-hmm. and uh, so he he went on a mission and and just always served others. He was kind of a prankster, and so that was the side that was a little different. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when it came down to the, the things that mattered, uh, he was always right on task. And then my father wasn't very active and then went to the temple and had a bad experience. And so he never went back till just before he passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he never went to, he didn't go to church much other than to support us. But if they would come and ask him to do anything like that, service projects. He was always involved in that kind of stuff. When you decided to talk about the light of Christ, were the examples of your father and this other uh, close friend of yours, were they already at the forefront of your mind to include in the talk, or did that inspiration come later? It, it actually just evolved. So I started with, you know, what what is the light of Christ, and and then how do we show the light of Christ, and, and instantly the experience with the, the man that I worked with for a lot of years and my coworker, he was a good example of the light of Christ. And then my, my dad was always, I mean, when we was growing up, we were always helping somebody else. It seemed like we were, a lot of times we'd put down our stuff to go help somebody else, you know, when we was ranching or farming or something like that. And so he was a good example that way too, but they're different. And, and that's the, that's the point I kind of wanted to get across is, you know, everybody's different. No matter where we are, we still can show that light in what we do. And we can be a light for somebody 
and hopefully as they are around us, they'll see things and, and then it might turn and you need something and somebody will be a light to you. Yeah. That made me wonder um, if there have been times in your life where you've had to maybe learn, you know, when these impressions come, let's act on them. That way it becomes more of a habit of just when I get an impression to help someone to let that light of Christ influence me. It's really interesting when you're doing something and uh, a lot of times you'll feel a little prompting and you say, oh, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, it's it's an awkward time or something like that. And uh, it's happened to me quite often. But as I served in the state presidency up here, it was interesting to hear because we'd always have students talk in state conference or, or you'd always be going to a a meeting and somebody would talk about something and that was what I thought was was really cool I mean a lot of us we don't we just do that type of stuff just because we you know they need help yeah I like to focus on other people and you know a story of somebody that helped them or or how they helped somebody Mm. and uh, we had a story of a of a young girl that uh I was just walking down the hallway one Sunday in our in our stake, and one of the really study specialists, so that's a, a wife of one of the high council or a bishopric member, we have them help with the Relief Society and work with the Relief Society presidents. And this lady was just walking down the hall, and uh, she had an impression just to talk, just say hi to this girl that she didn't know, wasn't associated with her ward or anything. And... Uh, so she just said hi. And then through the grapevine, and we'd found out that she was really struggling. And uh, she had, she was contemplating taking her life. She had asked the Lord to uh, show her a sign that somebody cared about her. And uh, when somebody said hello, that was the difference that made, I mean, it made the difference. And so... Showing the light of Christ, it doesn't have to be anything big. It can be just a prompting that as you're walking by, somebody says, hey, you need to say hello. If you have a prompting, you need to act on it, even if it's really small. That reminds me of a different portion of your address where you talk about in the morning when we get up, you know, we have to zoom in to kind of look at our faces, get ready and and find those little imperfections we're going to work on. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. sometimes we forget to zoom out, which I think. I think staying zoomed in on ourselves and only seeing imperfections and, you know, our flaws for a long time might cause us to be in that situation that the girl in the hallway found herself in. You know, she just um, was having a hard time zooming out to see the bigger picture. So what is your advice having worked with, you know, so many youth and young adults here on campus? What is some advice you'd give to those who might be struggling to zoom out and to keep the bigger picture perspective in their minds of of their worth? The main thing is... Christ sees the heart, and he, he's going to be our, our advocate. We are going to be our worst critic, and he's going to be there by our side saying, you know, th- you've done this and this and this. It's good as well. I guess the one point that would probably be something that I could tell everyone, you know, is everyone makes mistakes. Some are bigger than others. Some are smaller than others. But uh, we have to forgive ourselves. He was a bishop, and, and you're talking to individuals, and they have issues. And that was, the, I think, the hardest thing for most people is to move on and not 
keep pounding yourself down after you've made amends and moved on. And as you do make, you know, take that initiative to make things right, I could see, you know, a burden lifted. And uh, that's what Satan loves. He wants us to feel burdened and overwhelmed, like we're not worth anything. In Christ's eyes, it's going to take quite a bit of wrongdoing to make it to where he's going to give up on you. Mm-hmm. He probably never will <laughs> in reality. And so if you look at it in that perspective, then why should we give up on ourselves when we got somebody else that's not going to give up on us? That was Gene Clements, a cabinet maker at BYU-Idaho and the BYU-Idaho devotional speaker for August 23, 2022. This is Morgan White with BYU-Idaho Radio.